This week on Wealth Track, the bull versus bear debate. Financial thought leader and leading strategist Jason Trenert makes the case for each during these uncertain times. Next on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Funding provided by Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, Clearbridge Investments, a Leg Mason company, Miller Value Funds, Royce and Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, Strategus Asset Management, and Eaton Vance. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack, fortunate enough to be shooting this episode from my home and hoping that you are all healthy and safe. In a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal's The Intelligent Investor columnist Jason Zweig, legendary investor Charlie Munger, the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, and Warren Buffett's longtime business partner, described his and Buffett's role as that of a captain steering a ship through the worst typhoon that's ever happened, and that their goal is to just get through the typhoon and come out of it with a whole lot of liquidity. He added that Buffett wants to keep Berkshire safe, for people who have 90% of their net worth invested in it. May we all be able to get through this safely and have some cash to put to work at the end of it. Well, this week's guest was concerned about high market valuations before the global pandemic hit, and he and his firm were recommending clients raise some cash. It's a call they have reiterated since. He is Jason Trenert, co-founder, managing partner, and chief investment strategist of Strategus Research Partners which has been voted a top macro research provider by institutional investors for several years in a row. Strategus also provides asset management in separate accounts for institutions and high net worth individuals. Now, you might have noticed that Strategus is one of our more recent sponsors, but that is not a reason to exclude them. Trenton has been a regular WealthTrack guest since our launch in 2005 and will continue to be with us because of his and his team's outstanding research and market acumen. In a recent report, Trenert told clients, in times of acute stress in the markets, I find myself doing less modeling and more thinking. I asked him to share some of the things he is thinking about. I mean, I said that largely because the quantitative models are really break down when you have such extreme events. And this is an, this is an extreme event in, in terms of unemployment um, quadrupling, uh, the rate of unemployment quadrupling in two months. Uh, That's an extreme event that doesn't happen. And so what I think more about uh, is history, largely economic history and financial history. Um, Again, there's never quite been a a crisis like this. Uh, By the same token, it is important to see how markets have traded in the past. Uh, what the cycles are in terms of people coming to grips with a new reality. Um, And also policies, we spend a lot of time thinking about what the government policies are uh, and how they're reacting to the crisis and whether they're likely to make things better or make things worse. 
what is Strategus's view on what the policy reaction has been so far and if it's going to make things better or worse? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Dan Clifton runs uh, our Washington office for us, and he's an ace. And I think largely um, the policies have been very, very good, uh, certainly compared to the 30s. And, and I almost never compare anything to the 30s. But in the 30s, we quite literally made every mistake you could make. Uh, we tightened monetary policy. We tightened fiscal policy. We raised regulations. We had a trade war. This time around, um, the policy has been quite the opposite. We've uh, Fed is easing aggressively. We're trying to cut taxes. We're trying to cut regulations. And so I think the, the response has been enormous. The magnitude has been unlike anything I've seen. And also the speed uh, has been uh, for, for a government to work this quickly to pass the, such gargantuan bills. I think you have to give everyone uh, really a lot of credit. It's not always pretty to watch the process unfold, but just being realistic about, uh, about how messy democracy can be, I, I think uh, policy has been, been quite good. Do you think we need more stimulus? What's, what's your take? I would say, unfortunately, we're probably going to need more stimulus. Uh, I think particularly in the United States, you're going to need more stimulus for the states themselves. Um, I think the main goals of the policy are largely to slow things down and give uh, other policymakers that are focused on public health time to deal with this crisis in, um, in a humane way. Um, but I will say that it is the policies itself, the policies themselves are not particularly stimulative. They're largely there to replace income or to uh, absorb some losses. So it, it's, it's a little different than a stimulus program that you would see in the past where you would expect there to be uh, an obvious reaction quite quickly. This is going to be largely just to ease the pain and slow things down and, and let the economy regroup. Jason, as, as far as investment strategy, you know, at this moment in time, and, and your clients are largely institutional clients, what are you telling uh, clients about positioning their portfolios right now? I, I think, you know, we, we changed in the middle of, of uh, March, we, we did made two changes. We, one is we raised some cash. Um, and the second is that we moved more towards growth stocks versus value stocks. So uh, healthcare technology communications were, are more of the focus of our overweights right now. And that's largely because we think uh, the recovery is going to take a long time from a recession of this depth and growth will trade at a premium. We also think the market has moved a lot in a short period of time uh, on the back of stimulus. And so I think it's still appropriate to keep some cash because, again, I think bottoming tends to be a process. Most bear markets that are associated with a recession don't last only four weeks. Uh, it's, it's usually a process of, of determining what the right value is. And so, in my opinion, it makes sense to hold some extra cash if you're going to put it to work um, as, uh, on weakness. I think some of the, those sectors that I talked about, technology, healthcare, communications, would be interesting places to be. 
for your clients, you you put out a a, a report uh, of the kind of the bull versus bear debate, so which I thought was very useful. Um, and so let me ask you about some of the bullish the bullish case. And you just mentioned that the Fed easing aggressively, so that's a really that's bullish, right? It's very bullish. You never want to fight the Fed, uh, you know, as they say. And the Fed is all in. More stimulus likely. Again, you just mentioned that, but that's important too, as far as psychology in the markets and what is going to help the markets going forward. Exactly, and I think it'll it'll stem the tide of unemployment. It'll slow the unemployment, the, the increase in the unemployment rate down, and will give um, businesses a better ability to hire people back later on this year. Momentum was one of your uh, bullet points for the bullish case. What about momentum? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that's been impressive from a technical perspective, uh, really, from the rally uh, off the March low, has been that it's been very broad-based. Uh, and it's, it hasn't been just a narrow group of stocks. It's been very broad-based. And you want to respect that because the markets tend to be uh, no more than individuals do. Um, and so we tend to we try to respect what the markets are telling us. And, and the markets, I, I think, are clearly telling you in that regard uh, that the very worst may be over. Sentiment remains bearish. Where, right. I, where what, what sentiment are you paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, this is largely based on conversations with our clients and, and surveys that we've done out of our clients. But most of our clients believe that the next 10 percent in the market will be lower, not higher. And whenever you see such a wide divergence like that, uh, usually the market tends to humble uh, all of us. Tina, which you're famous for, it's a phrase that you coined, um, and that is basically there is no alternative to stocks. You've been saying that for quite a while. Why is Tina still in place? Well, you know, 10-year Treasury yields are, they started the year at 190, and right now they're somewhere between 50 and 60 basis points. And so if you're uh, an investor that needs a certain return, uh, usually it's 5% or greater, there's really not too many other alternatives aside from equities uh, that you can, certainly in the fixed income markets, you have to take an awful lot of risk to get uh, the returns that uh, you might need from uh, assets like equities. Right. Um, and the pain trade is higher. Explain what you mean by the pain trade. Yeah, well, that, that pain trade is, is usually what people are least prepared for. And, and, uh, and again, it goes back to the idea that the market tends to like to humiliate people, uh, especially in times like this. And most people are not really prepared. Most, most of our clients, institutional clients, are not really prepared for the market to move meaningfully higher which means that it, it, there's a good chance it will happen. It doesn't always happen that way, but, but it's, it's worth considering uh, that, um, that people are, are perhaps not bullish enough at this particular time. So let's go to the bearish case. Um, the magnitude of the damage done uh, is going to take years to repair, especially for a small business. So you're really looking at the macro picture, that that right. is a real a strong bearish case. Right. So there's about 150 million people in the workforce, and about 25% of the 150 million work for small businesses. And the problem, small businesses this time, I think, um, if you don't have access to, to bank loans or credit or the capital markets, you, Which they you don't, might, mostly. Mostly right. don't. 
you might just not be able to um, get to the other side. And this is, this is very different in that regard because, again, you're, it's not that you just don't have profits. In, in many instances, you don't have any revenues. And so uh, a lot of these companies work on pretty small profit margins. And, and I, you know, I'm very much worried about the bankruptcies of small businesses. Valuations. Explain your assessment of, of valuations in the market right now. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, at this point, uh, market is really, uh, you know, the NASDAQ is actually up year over year. Uh, and the uh, market's not down all that much from the all-time highs that we saw in, in February. And yet the earnings, I, I think, are uh, clearly going to be, they'll be off at least 25%, perhaps more this year. Could, could be greater uh, than that. And so I think the, the, the market off of the, the March bottom repaired a lot of the damage, but I, I wouldn't say stocks are particularly cheap right now. It's interesting that one of the points that you made earlier um, for the, the bullish case was the kind of fiscal uh, and monetary stimulus that we're, that we're seeing. But there's a bearish case to be made about that as well. Um, and so, so what is that, that the stimulus, the, the, the dark side of the stimulus? Yeah, the, the dark side is that um, the economy, at least as of now, isn't open uh, for it to really work. So, I mean, the good news is you, you're giving people checks and you're hoping you're helping to replace some income, but it's hard to spend the money if nothing's open. Uh, and so um, I think also there are questions, uh, particularly as it relates, you're seeing with the price of gold, you may be seeing with um, price of gold in particular, that people are worried about the currency, worried about the fiscal health uh, of the country and, and taking some of this uh, this stimulus back at the appropriate time. And so I'd rather have the stimulus than not have it, but it, uh, it has to be coordinated with the reopening of the economy for it to be really effective. The reopening of the economy, uh, speaking of the same, the, again, this is part of the bearish case. Uh, how concerned are you about the speed of the reopening of the economy and, yeah. and why is it bearish? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that I think people are worried that there'll be another wave of the virus uh, it, when we reopen the economy. It seems reasonable I, um, that there will be another wave, and it's it's difficult to know how people will react to that psychologically, and what the policy response uh, will be to that. Um, another bearish point is bear markets associated with recessions usually last longer than a month. <laughs> That's right. What, right. What was it? The fastest bear market on on record, That's right? right? Um, so you had February so, to March. You know, again, bottoming and, and recessions tend to be a process, and so you've never you've never seen policy respond so quickly and so massively to uh, our the recession uh, uh, that we we're going to have. Um, but uh, by the same token, it's 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 likely to last quite a bit longer, I, I think, into 2021. And so um, it, it only stands to reason that it seems to me that the stock market will retest some of those lows. One of your bearish points was that, uh, that, the, that greater market pain may be needed. Is that, and explain why. Yeah, you know, and, and no one's rooting, you know, no one, no one likes to root for market pain, but the, the, there is the sense that the markets tend to be vigilantes 
for in, in the modern era, the markets tend to be vigilantes for public policy. And um, certainly in March, I believe that was the case, that the, the speed at which you saw the, the response on policymakers was largely due to the pain associated in the financial markets. And I think that there is a chance, particularly as it relates to reopening the economy, the markets are going to have a lot to say, uh, in my opinion, about how quickly we reopen. Uh, and if we are making mistakes, the markets are going to give policymakers an important signal uh, in, in that regard. And so that's just something I, I think to keep an eye on. I, I mentioned, you know, that you're clients or institutional clients, but you also have high net worth individuals. You run some separate accounts uh, right. as well. And, uh, and so, you know, what, what are you advising individual investors and how are you handling this personally? Yeah. I mean, the main, the main f focus, I think, and um, it goes back to maybe a discussion of active management, but I think uh, we, we're past a period in which uh, you know, uh, everyone's going to get a, a trophy in terms of the cost of capital, where there's going to be real distinctions being made by the markets between strong companies and weak companies. That's what active managers do best, mm -hmm. uh, is distinguish between strong and weak companies. Uh, and I think that's something that was largely absent when interest rates were low, invariably low, and stayed low for everyone for 11 years. I think that era is is over. And so uh, I'm telling our clients to keep some uh, dry powder, to, uh, to right. have somewhat higher cash, to, to be prepared, to put money to work in times of greater volatility when maybe the markets are a bit weaker. Um, again, maybe more of a bias towards growth companies uh, rather than value companies because um, I don't think we're, we're likely to emerge from the recession quickly. Those are the main things I'm telling our, um, our clients to do. You have dealt with a, a number of really terrific investors over the years, and you are a student of market history. Um, so what's, do you want to share some of the wisdom from some of the investors that, that you've known or studied uh, yeah. as far as you know, going through periods like this? Well, there's three, you know, there's, I'll come up with three quick ones. Uh, one is Byron Wien uh, is a great mentor uh, mm -hmm. of mine, and um, he always told me, and th this should shouldn't be uh, a, a suggestion, but it, 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 it should be because a lot of people should have money at work. If you do what I do, sometimes you find that people do what I do. They have no money at risk. Yes. Uh, so they give a lot of advice and yet, they're, you know, they're, they're not. Uh, and he always encouraged me to be an active participant uh, in, in the markets with my own accounts, my own money. So I have empathy with our clients. And, and so you're, you're, it's not as uh, abstract. Um, so... I've been doing that. I've been making sure we're doing that. Uh, Ed Keeps Hyman, you humble too. What's that? You know, you're, Keeps you're not you kidding. Humble too. You're, you're not kidding. So, <laughs> and then Ed Hyman was my boss for many years, and at you know, Evercore he, ISI, right? At ISI, and you know he um, he always emphasized uh, he's very, he has a very humble approach to looking at the markets always, but particularly in times like this, and so he he's always encourage me like the bull and bear list that we put together it's quite simple but it's it's very useful because sometimes you can get very wrapped around the axle on making quantitative models and all these things where they're only as good as the inputs that you put into them and sometimes you're better off just taking a clean sheet of paper and just thinking through it 
And then the last thing, Ed Hagem was another one who you may know, was used to be the CEO of, of Furman Cells. But he always told me to think about the, call it the sociology of ownership, which is largely this idea of trying to think of who the big players, who the dominant players in the market are at any time. One of the things that's interesting about this period, uh, the last 11 years, is that retail investors largely have not been big participants in the bull market. Uh, they've largely been net sellers of domestic equities in a way that's good to the extent to which um, they don't need to be big sellers now. They're not afraid. Uh, and so the, the market tends to be in stronger hands that can have a longer term time horizon. And I think that's important too about thinking about whether we've seen the low, which I think we have, and, and, and when to enter the market and when to put more money to work. I think once you start to get a sense that the economy is stabilizing, you, you know, the market can stabilize itself. But I, I think there's, uh, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more volatility that we're going to have to face in 2020. And then we haven't even talked about the election, uh, which will be... Talk about it. Which will be another, which will be another um, source of volatility for the markets. Uh, have the, you know, the odds of, of President Trump being reelected, I mean, they've, I'm sure they've been extremely volatile day to day as well, but what are you all thinking now? Yeah, well, you know, in, in as late as late February, 80% of our clients thought that Donald Trump would be reelected. Uh, right now, uh, it's 60%. And big I would, drop. It's a big drop. And I, I would say it's, it's, you know, it's a 50-50 country. So um, the odds are probably pretty close to 50-50 that have always been 50-50 that he'll be reelected. I think his handling of the health issues, um, of course, though, will be much more, will be very important. And, right. and um, so that's, that's, so it remains to be seen. It's going to be uh, a cl more of a cliffhanger, I think, than a lot of people thought it would have been uh, earlier this year. Let me ask you a couple more questions. We are seeing uh, so much printing of money. The Federal Reserve is taking on such an aggressive role in the economy and in the world, incidentally. Uh, they really are the, the central bank for the world now in many respects. So how much of a problem uh, is this going to be in the future as far as inflation? I think in the short term, the, what's happening right now is manifestly deflationary. Um, so I don't think anyone has to worry about inflation for the next couple of years. But I do think, I think your question is a great one because longer term, uh, it's easy to give things away. It's hard to take things away. And that's true for a central bank. It's also true for uh, the federal government. And so it's not hard to imagine um, if there's an unwillingness to take some of this liquidity and um, and stimulus back at the appropriate time, a couple of years from now when the economy's strengthening, that it could lead to higher inflation. And also, if you believe, as I do, there's going to be more onshoring, somewhat less globalization, that could also lead to more uh, inflation. And so I would just tell people to have uh, perhaps a hedge uh, with maybe a little gold uh, or other things that would be a hedge against inflation in their portfolios, almost as an insurance policy. I, I wouldn't go overboard, but having some portion of your assets there, I think makes some sense uh, as a hedge against that. 
Well, then let me ask you for one investment. Uh, would, would you have a hedge against inflation as a one investment in a diversified portfolio? Yeah, I'll, it's one that I own. Uh, it's uh, it's an ETF called GDXJ, and it is a junior gold miners ETF. And so to me, that's uh, it's a pretty leveraged play on, on the gold miners, but it's uh, but it'll do the trick. What are you most worried about uh, as we go through this global pandemic? Let's. Uh, I have to say that I uh, it's I'm most worried about um, the idea that uh, we've uh, we've allowed Uncle Sam a big seat at the table of American commerce. And I'm worried that um, he might not want to leave uh, at the appropriate time. Um, what I'm most optimistic about, and you learn this just by reading a lot of history, is that human beings are incredibly um, ingenious and innovative. And um, long-term problems rarely stay long-term problems for that long because there's so many smart people and good people at work to fix them. And I don't want to sound corny about it, but I, I'm convinced we'll find, we'll find a solution to the, these issues. It just may take more time than we're accustomed uh, to. But I, I'm quite optimistic uh, that a year or a year and a half from now, um, we'll remember this, but we'll be feeling much better about the way the world looks. And I will add to that in a free society uh, under the rule of law. Amen. That, <laughs> Amen. Amen. that we can be optimistic. Well, I'm always more optimistic talking to you, Jason. Trump. Thank you. So thanks Thank again you for much. joining us on Wealth Thank Track. you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is stay cautious. No one knows how this global recession will play out. As Trenert described, there are profound changes in the works that will last a long time, the contours of which have yet to be revealed. This is a time to be prudent and cautious and keep healthy reserves of personal savings and cash in investment portfolios. Next week, our assessment of the new investment world will continue with financial thought leader Jason Trenert. In our extra feature on our website, WealthTrack.com, Trenert will discuss his techniques to remain calm in the midst of the chaos. While there, you can access more interviews with him and other financial thought leaders and great investors, so check it out. Please keep connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for watching. Have a peaceful weekend, and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable and productive one.